Hi, this is Paul. For a couple of months now, people have been sending me these I'm quitting YouTube videos. I don't know if they're trying to tell me I should quit YouTube. But And then Algo has started bringing these videos up to me. I can't find one. It was a woman. It, she was a uh, from the UK. She plays the guitar. Uh, you know, you know semi-successful little YouTube channel. She had a great video on basically how her different kinds of videos perform. She talked about the fact that her 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 equipment review videos always way outperform, in her case, it's kind of depressing, the, the music and songs she actually writes and makes. And I was preparing to do a video on Thomas Carlyle and Heroes at a little bit of time at the end of the day. I just finished my video on on Jordan Peterson's uh, Catholic interview. And this video came up, 1.8 million subscribers and no one cares. And so as I was adding the branding to the last video, I have to figure out how to incorporate that. My my video, some of you can might be able to tell from the amazing amount of videos I put out there, my production is very streamlined and the branding thing doesn't quite fit into it yet. It's a little bit of a slowdown, but I'll figure that out in time. Anyway, I thought this was real. I'd never heard of the guy. I've never heard his music. Don't know anything about him, but I thought this was really good. I think it touches on some of what we're experimenting here in the corner. One of the things in my conversation with Upcycle is that, and, and you'll notice I generally use your YouTube identities rather than your personal names, especially if it's easier for me to remember because that's how I see you in this in this arena. My conversation with Upcycle, he talked about the fact that YouTube was sort of a YouTube is a is a marketing platform, and we're using it for attempting to see what kind of community we can create. See if I can find that in our conversation. It's something that uh, I, I see it as evolving into something beautiful, something that extends beyond the internet mm -hmm. uh, with everything that you do, not only with the stories and the conferences, but also with these virtual interactions, because I believe that they, they are a stepping stone to the next evolution of the of the of the community, let's say. I love the little aspects uh, like Sevilla King naming this little corner. Yeah. I like the whole, uh, uh, the flotillas, that, yeah. uh, the term that uh, came out of from, from uh, Greece. And uh, I really like this, uh, what you said the last time about this latest wave of, uh, uh, of channels, let's say that join Yes. They are actually synthesizers. Yes. And this, for me, this is something uh, extremely, extremely valuable um, because in a way, um, I, I am real. I really believe that first there is synthesis and then there is analysis and then hmm. there is integration. So first uh, there's synthesis and analysis. What was the third one? Integration. Okay. So uh, you know a, a lot of uh, a lot of people what they do they just uh, decompose everything into the fine parts and they overanalyze, but with this latest addition, let's say that in a way 
this is also your function like mm. you you are also a synthesizer so uh, in a way that uh, this new uh, uh, influx let's say of channels from okay i'm gonna give a, 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 some shout out shout outs here from uh, uh and then he gives shout outs the in the question and answer a couple of weeks ago I talked about where is the love between your grandpa and grandma? It's in their kids. It's in their house. It's in their, uh, it's in the artifacts, the physical artifacts of their, of their union. A big piece of what humanity is about is instantiating the physical into, ex, ex, instantiating the spiritual into the physical world. That's a lot of what we do. And so in this online space, which um, which Upcycle basically said, you know, this is a this is a marketing platform, but you're using it for something different. And I think that's right. Now that gets into, let's jump into this video because the whole video I thought was good. Sorry for the title of this video, but it's a riff on the title of an excerpt from a podcast featuring Freddie Wong. Now, Freddie Wong is an OG YouTuber. His channel Rocket Jump was massive back in the day. They did all these amazing action short films. Collaborations with like Jimmy Kimmel, Kean Peel. From my perspective as a fan anyway, Freddie Wong like made it as a YouTuber. So it was pretty jarring to hear what he had to say on this podcast when I heard this maybe about four years ago. We did a lot of stuff on YouTube. We set records for crowdfunding. We did a web series and blah, 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 blah. blah. Who cares? Nobody gives a Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> Sorry. Here's, 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 the, here's the hard lesson that I've learned. Anything you've done in this context, nobody cares. Because at the end of the day, there's only two things that matter in doing stuff in the traditional Hollywood sense, which is, did you make anyone any money? Did you win anybody any awards? You know, when I watched this video four years ago, it, it really changed my perspective as a YouTuber and where my space was in this creator economy. Because as Freddie showed, YouTube might be a dead end. I've been making videos here on YouTube for 18 years now. My first video came out in February of 2006. My YouTube career is old enough to vote. I've only been doing it like professionally though for about eight years. And in that time, I've made video essays and vlogs that I deeply care about and have been able to share with millions of people from around the world. But here's the thing though, right? It's all been on YouTube. And by design, it's a creator economy siloed off from the music industry. I'm a musician after all. And YouTube is viewed still to this day with a degree of suspicion. They look at our stuff and they're like, oh, you guys have done some stuff on YouTube. Oh, YouTube, the thing my kid watches. And it's like, there's that what? Yeah, the stigma's never left. The stigma's never left. In my experience, the creator economy is in an antagonistic relationship with the music industry because I don't make them any money. I make. Okay, so we're not involved in the music industry. That's not what we're doing. But the dynamics, I think, that he points out are likely have some analogies. The church world. I, I don't think it's the same with the church world. I, I, I tend to find people in the church world, at least the more the evangelical side of the church world, more impressed by numbers. Perhaps because... To one degree or another, the church world is already an attentional economy. 
I, I don't know that the music industry or the film industry understands what they are about. Did it make any money? Did it win any awards? Now, these are platforms and arenas that are have, have a degree of instantiation in the world, and they have status in our country and in the world culture. I think, you know, part of the reason, let's say, thinking about Jordan Peterson going over to Daily Wire, part of what people makes people nervous about YouTube, and, you know, we talk about it on in this little corner sometimes, too, is the fact that hey, YouTube can pull the plug at any time, and you're just out of luck. That's, you're just, you're just done. In other words, you are wholly dependent on this corporation called Google. And Google has a really terrible track record in terms of just quitting stuff. Now, I don't think they're going to quit YouTube anytime soon, but they've quit other things. And even if they quit YouTube, I was just talking to someone who was taking this little course with somebody and they were talking about getting all the emails and you have to get all the emails of your followers because then if YouTube pulls the plug or if YouTube goes away, then you can email them. And it's like, email them? Email was dead. Email's dead already to a degree. Um, YouTube's more alive than email. So especially if you're on Gmail, I mean, Google could take that away. Uh, they're just they're making too much money mining our information, but let, let's keep going. Google money. It's just me out here with my camera and my editing software. Nobody has staked their professional reputation on my own. I don't make anybody else any money. Did you make anyone any money? Did you win anybody any awards? In fact, the music industry thinks that YouTubers take money away from them, and then they try to take that money back. The industry in which I want to work, very much like the industry that Freddie wanted to work in, does not care. 1.8 million subscribers, and no one cares. Very dramatic, I know. I now, now, this also gets into something that I've talked about here and there, which is the subscriber numbers. They do not mean what you think they mean. And you know that if you are on the other side and you look at the analytics, the amount of a video that people actually watch, if you look at hours watched, that might tell you a little more. But the question is, again, okay, so your grandparents' love is in their children, it's in their home, it's in their business, it's in, it's in what they leave to the next generation that is the pattern that repeats. And, you know, that's part of the reason why, you know, Malcolm and Simone caught my attention because they at least had an eye out for that. And a big part of this space is the meaning space and what this video is actually asking questions about it's meaning and longevity has a fair amount to do with meaning i do apologize i don't mean for this video to be a pity party but i have been thinking a lot recently about longevity and what it means to make art in a community and for an industry whether it's the creator economy or the music industry the two things that i'm involved with and when I take a look at musicians and the music industry and I see how long people will make art, how deep into their careers they make art, 
I have some thoughts about it, you know? Roy Haynes, for example, is a jazz drummer that played with Charlie Parker, and he's still going. He's 98 years old. When I look at Roy Haynes, I can see that if I focus on music, I know that I have a creative future until the end of my life. Now, notice the shift that he's made here. Now we're getting off of the screens into a life. And this question, of course, is not, un is not only asked by YouTubers. People ask it when, oh gosh. And again, as a pastor, you sit with someone who's in their last day. And I don't mean older, I mean in their actual last day. And if they're not sort of up on morphine or hopefully, you, as a pastor, you try to get in there before the morphine really takes hold and they sort of bliss out. And then you talk, and they have things to say usually. And they ask questions about value. David Brooks made this point at the beginning of his book, The Road to Character, about resume virtues and eulogy virtues. And the eulogy virtues are almost always about interconnectedness. And if you go to a funeral, you will hear stories that people will get up, because usually at a funeral there's a time that people can get up and say something. They will get up and say, I was in trouble and so-and-so helped me. It's the relationality. And all of this stuff, <laughs> you know, I really don't know that at my funeral, someone's going to stand up and say, Paul Vanderclay had X number of YouTube subscribers, X number of followers on Twitter. And again, I'm small. I'm not near 1.8 million or 8 million or any of this kind of thing because I have enough of a sense that these, these numbers don't matter. I watch the analytics... I should, I should find that woman's video. Yippee, I found it. A guitarist and a sofa. The sofa can support a family. Terrible. What about, what's the definition of an optimist? A drummer with a mortgage. Food for thought, just like, what's the difference between an extra large pizza? Hmm, this isn't the video. Let me see if I can find the video that I saw. Here's the one. How much YouTube paid me for 4.7 million views and why? That's that this is this is the video. Some questions have obvious answers. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice. How do you make an omelet? You break a few eggs. Others, it's a little more complicated. Like how do you define success as a musician in the 21st century? That one's not so easy. What I can tell you is exactly how much I've earned from 4.7 million views of my original music here on YouTube. So stick around and let's get into it. I started posting on YouTube as a way of promoting my original music. I've been writing songs since I was 15 and I've always known I wanted to do this in some shape or form. I tried the traditional route, submitting demos to labels, meeting A&Rs, doing open mics, cover gigs and weddings, hoping to be discovered. I think I am lucky that I've always enjoyed playing with gadgets and cameras and making short films with my friends, so I found it relatively easy to take to YouTube, and I also love it as a medium. I watch a lot of it. I admire the work of other creators. I'm not just doing it because it's a quick and easy road to success, because it's not. 
I don't think I would have been able to make over 500 videos if I didn't really love doing it. And I've also gone through... Well, all oh, these oh, oh, overpriced no, no, EVs no, not that one. 500 videos? 500 videos, you say? Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm way over 2,500 videos, so... But her videos are better. I'm sure they are. And I've also gone through different phases of trial and error to see what works. Mostly error, I might add. I've posted self... Now, here's a little defense against the dark arts trick. There are certain word phrases that people use that whenever you hear them, you have to pause. One of them is we. You always have to ask, who is we? Or what works? Hmm. Uh, tell me about your definition of works because what does working look like if, you're, if you are a musician? That's not an easy question to answer directed full music videos and straight up no frills live performances just me and a guitar and a camera i've tried shorter guitar instrumentals and full album audio only videos for my songbook project i've used trips to guitar stores to showcase my original songs and riffs and accidentally demonetized my own video with my own music in the process lesson learned there i've done a few song breakdowns where i go into granular detail showing the development of a song diving into the stems and so on as a learning and teaching experience I've also published a reaction video where I was lucky enough to have Rick Beato and Rhett Schull with me as I played them my song, The Great Wave. Thankfully, their reaction was positive, but it was definitely a little nerve-wracking trying to maintain a cool, calm and collected face during the shoot. I've done several different challenges, like writing a new song in an hour, writing a Christmas song, and even finishing John Mayer's new song before he did. At the moment, I'm trying out a new schedule with a mix of content to challenge myself every week. One song, either a cover or an original, one essay, and one guitar or gear-focused video. I like the challenge of a deadline. I like to publish and move on, and I like to cater to the differing tastes of my audience because I know people are here for different reasons. Some like the essays, others just want to see and listen to some lovely. And what she's just said there is a hugely important thing because one of the things that I notice is some people watch Rough Draft for some Sundays. Some people never watch the rough, rough Draft for Sundays. Some people watch the Jordan Peterson videos. Other people will never touch the Jordan Peterson videos. On and on and on it goes. People are here for different reasons. And I put out enough video and enough different kinds of videos that people will interact with different videos. And I put out so many videos that hardly anyone can watch all of them. Hardly anyone. There are some of you who can. I praise God for you. Guitars. I know some of you are musicians who are just starting out on your own journeys. And so I thought it would be useful to go behind the scenes and dig into some of the analytics and earnings from my own original songs so you get a better idea of the reality of monetizing your music on YouTube. Reality check. My original music is by far the least popular part of my channel. Plenty of people take the time to comment on my songs saying that they don't like them or that they don't like my singing voice or guitar playing. And to them I say thank you because I appreciate you. It definitely helps me keep my feet on the ground and keep innovating my content so that I just hit every single pocket of But she keeps doing it and that's key. And if you go back to the other video too, I mean, you get to the end of the video here and he basically says, 
You know, I, I basically, this is what you find with a lot of these. I'm not really quitting YouTube. I just don't serve the algorithm anymore. <laughs> I use YouTube the way I want to use YouTube. Do yourself a favor. Start there. Okay? Start there. And part of what I love about this little corner is, for the most part, in terms of this flotilla of channels, this is what I see people doing. They're using YouTube the way they want to use YouTube, whether it's Grimm and Chad always, you know, braving strike copyright strikes just to put put whatever thing they want out there, or whether it's having long conversations with randos that 10 or 15 people are going to watch. It doesn't matter. Keep keep using YouTube the way you want to use YouTube and keep an eye on some of these other things. Now, what she does here is really good because when I watched this video, I thought, yeah, she's she's right. She's telling you the truth. She's this is you you see things when you see the analytics and you watch them. You you pay attention to the analytics, you pay attention to the comments, you pay attention to the ecosystem, and you learn things about this machine. Everything I'm interested in. The views are consistently lower than gear reviews, almost essays ranging between 10,000 for breaking down my own song, only one, to 1.6 million, what happens when I walk into a guitar store, which is the video I accidentally demonetized by getting an automatic copyright strike for featuring my own song. Those views might take several years. Can you imagine? She gets a copyright strike for using her own song. You would think somebody in the machine that is Google would look at that and say, I should probably undo that. But the damage is done. Those 1.6 million views aren't going to appear again. But ironically, as she said before, the song wasn't what brought them there. It's because she did a product review. And if you go to YouTube, I, I watch product reviews all the time. Those videos do really well on YouTube product reviews but you look at analytics and, well, yeah, so your product reviews might do really, really well, but then you're going to wind up where this guy was, which is 1.8 million reviews and no one cares. And no one cares. That's the, that's the hard part right now is that we're, I feel like, I always feel like we're in between. This podcast excerpt came out about a decade into Freddie's successful career on the internet. And I really don't think it's a coincidence that most of the YouTubers who are quitting or scaling back, like Tom Scott or Matt Pat, for example, had a successful career for about a decade or so. In fact, a comment left on the YouTube video for this podcast excerpt called that shot four years ago. So now we live in the era of YouTube quitting and people making videos about YouTube quitting. I'm so sorry for contributing to that, but hey, I had things to say, so. Now, I've watched a number of the YouTube quitting videos, and in many cases, I understood it completely watching successful pastors, because this all gets into this definition of success. Generally speaking, the way our culture views a pastor as successful is whether or not their church grows. Attendance, bucks, that's and building. Um, that's what matters. And I usually say butts, bucks, and buildings. If your church grows, you are successful. And what often happens with pastors is they get into the profession because it's many jobs. I tell this to my kids. 
either you're going to make money or you're going to make meaning. <laughs> Every now and then you can get a job where you do both and you should be really happy. But usually you're going to make money or you're going to make meaning. And some people are out there making money and they're not having much meaning. And some people are out there making meaning and they're not getting much money. There's a trade-off relationship. Often, not always. People get into the ministry because they love people. It used to be you'd get into the ministry because you loved status. That's no longer the case in America. Most, unless you're in a, in a particular subculture that really values its ministers, for the most part now, you get into the ministry because of meaning, not money, not status, but meaning. And then what happens if you're charismatic, if you're particularly good, if you somehow just had the right niche at the right time and the right place and your church grew, very quickly you go from, well, a lot depends on what kind of ministry you wanted to do. Some ministers are sort of um, covert scholars and they want to spend all of their time in the office reading books and thinking about things and writing the best sermons imaginable. Some pastors are all about people and they want to go out and they're evangelists. They want to go out and meet new people and bring new people to Christ. Some pastors are pastoral care specialists and they go out and they love nothing better than visiting, 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 sitting, 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 doing all that work with, with people. Some pastors are, are sort of pastoral therapists and, and they really enjoy getting into the nitty gritty of individual problems and transformations and watching people thrive. What happens if you're successful, and this is the same thing that has happened with many YouTubers, and actually Mary Spender has another video on that, is you wind up becoming a manager. Because suddenly now you have to manage the church, and so much documentation in the 80s and 90s was all about pastor as entrepreneur. And you shouldn't work in the church, you should work on the church. And you spend all of your time doing leadership visioning and directing. And, and you should constantly be working on the people that you're supervising and your next hire and your next goal and your next BHAG. Some of you in the church circles will know what a BHAG is. I'm not going to define it. You can go look it up if you want to. Uh, some of you will know right away and you will chuckle because, oh, yeah, I remember the BHAGs. I remember the BHAGs. And I can imagine Grim Grizz coming up with a little graphic of a BHAG. <laughs> and a lot of those pastors got burned out because at heart, they wanted to be a scholar. They wanted to be a caregiver. They wanted to be an evangelist. And what they wound up being was a manager of an institution. And when this channel grew, and again, it's still not a big channel. When this channel grew and people wanted me to start an institution, I'd been down this track before, and I said, I'm not the manager of an institution. If you want me to start an institution, uh, you're barking up the wrong tree. It doesn't mean I won't be involved in institutions, but I'm not a manager of an institution. I don't want to do that. I've done enough of that kind of thing before. Not interested. What am I interested in? Watch my channel. You will know exactly what I'm interested in. Oh, you're stuck with me making this video. So four years ago, around the time I saw this podcast, I made a retrospective of my then 14-year career on YouTube. And I started thinking about building something else that did not put me in this antagonistic relationship with the music industry and with a recommendation algorithm, because it just was not sustainable. I was getting burnt out. And you know, tale as old as time, YouTuber burns out, right? There were two solutions for me here. The first is 
Nebula. Nebula is, of course, the my. Oh, we get a commercial. Sons of all that was nice. Um, people have been doing it for many decades beforehand. We all decided to go down the direct-to-DVD horror movie route, which we were all embroiled in back in around 2009, 2010. Mm -hmm. And we decided to all just be like, okay, let's make movies, feature films that are cheap and can turn a profit. Those alternate rally versions of ourselves are having a better career in Hollywood right now than us. Sungazer started 10 years ago, and I do wonder where we would be if Sean and I like... And so then they look at retrospectives. Why do I value what I value? And what do I value? I value the relationships that you all can have between each other. That's kind of what a pastor tries to do. Now, what kind of a pastor? Well, the, the kind of a pastor who wants to knit together a church. The relationships that you have between each other. Not necessarily the relationships that go through me or through my channel. Now, Pastor Eric left a comment. Again, I do read the comments. And I do recognize a lot of you by the comments, by the little Father Big Mac or whatever your little tag is. Father Big Mac said, well, the day PVK stops making videos, this little corner dies. Maybe. Maybe. What do I know? And maybe this little corner dies on YouTube because YouTube pulls the plug or something happens to me or who knows what. But... Jared told me the other day, oh, we have another Discord baby. And it doesn't mean another person came onto the Discord, a newbie. No, there's another baby that is born due to a marriage of the people that found each other on the Discord server. And I think, good. I'm not directly responsible for the Discord server. Rick, Joey, Tyler, they all set that up. Dennis continues to maintain it. I'm, I'm seldom on the Bridges of Meaning Discord server. I'm seldom doing any of that, but it's there. And so the real payoff, again, are the relationships. It sounds trite. It sounds campy. It sounds corny. But that's the relationships. And that's the value. And again, all of this thought about, hmm, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Well, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's kind of the answer to this. And it's great to build a big channel. It's great to build a big audience. It's great to get a message out. But unless the message somehow gets instantiated in value in human lives, and I would say, you know, part of the Christian thing is we're not just looking for value in lives in this world between life and death. We're looking for value in lives that go on even beyond this world it's very valuable it's very meaningful so anyway i'll leave the i'll leave the uh i'll leave the addresses to these two videos below they're both good videos uh, that mary spender video on how much does it cost i mean she has uh where is it she has seven hundred twenty thousand subscribers and she has a manager and an editor and an accountant and her minimum annual expenditure, not including money she needs to make from her channel, is $205,000. And, I mean, the camera work is beautiful. I listen to, 
when I'm listening to a YouTube video with these things on, you can tell the difference of a video with high quality sound. And she's got high quality sound. You can't see the mic in front of her, but the sound is good. I, I regularly have people contacting me saying, would you like, would you like an editor? I'd be, I'd be, you know, for a very reasonable rate, I'd be willing to be your YouTube editor for a very reasonable way. I'd be willing to, um, you know, uh, improve your thumbnails. And for me, putting these out is kind of the fun, you know, not editing, seeing how little editing I can do. This is, this is the fun of it. I mean, lately the last three or four thumbnails I've put out, I've had fun making those thumbnails and they're, they're kind of weird and, but I, I enjoy making them. And so the, the long and the short of the YouTube quitting videos is it's the advice I always give people when they start this. I say, do it, do what you do. If the value, if you would do it, if nobody watched, what that means is that the value is intrinsic. Now to have people watch it, even just a few people watch it. I got a text from, I got a text from Nancy. Freddie saw that I had a video in which the, the video about the, 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 he gets me, um, Super Bowl ad. I used Freddie and Nancy and Dave and Nancy said, and George Washington in the thumbnail said, no, it's not George Washington. It's Jonathan Edwards. But I mean that, that that they got a they got a kick out of it, but you know Freddie's been doing rap before the Freddie and Paul show. Freddie just does rap because Freddie likes to rap. Dave just sings his gospel songs and plays his harmonica because he likes singing gospel songs and playing the harmonica. And maybe doing it in front of in front of people is you know even more exciting. So great, that's awesome, but. If you want to do this, you know, again, I look at now Grizz. Grizz is more complex because he, he's been right out front from the beginning saying, I want to do this to make money to live. Now, he lives pretty cheap, obviously. So he's uh, he's trying to, you know, make it in there. But Chad, Chad's just doing it for fun. And, um, you know, again, if Living Stones goes under, I might have to think about this all. And I'm, I really don't want to. But um, yeah, I I think I think answering basic questions about why you're doing what you're doing to the degree that you can know is really important for the longevity. Because the truth is, the longer you do it, probably the more impact you can have. So there's that. Leave a comment. Yes, I'm back. Special thanks to you. It's it's. It, I I felt disabled not being able to play the brand. <laughs> really, really. There's some of my favorite brands. Camera set. Set. Sound set. Set. Roll it. The laws of probability and chance indicate if an infinite number of monkeys are given typewriters and allowed to peck away for an infinite time, they will eventually produce all the world's great literature. But in the process, we find monkeys, like humans, also turn out quite a bit of absolute junk. Action.
In voice recording, the essential quality we must strive for is intelligibility. Uh, intelligibility. Ability. Uh, Cut. That was good. Good. Very good. Do you think it was me, CB? Do you think it was really me? <laughs> you were sensational, Pussycat. Just sensational. We did it, CB. Another great shot. Okay for sound? Hello and welcome, welcome. What? Welcome, everybody. Welcome back. I, it's so much easier when I can hide behind the branding, and I'm glad you're here for it.